Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there, or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonewpodcast. And find us on Facebook. Today's episode is Deep Breath. It is the first episode of Season 8. The Paternoster gang arrive at the Thames to investigate the sudden appearance of a Tyrannosaurus Rex when suddenly the dinosaur coughs up the TARDIS. The Doctor exits and collapses at their feet, so the gang takes him home. At Vastra's mansion, the Doctor is still disoriented by his recent regeneration. He begins to translate the T-Rex's lonely calls. The world is different now, and I am alone. Back at the river, a man named Alfie is telling his theories about what is really going on. A gentleman with a top hat and half a motorized face listens right before he steals Alfie's eyes. This episode is written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Ben Wheatley. It originally aired on the 23rd of August 2014 and was watched by 6.96 million viewers. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Hey, this is Josh. Hi, this is Brian. Shush, this is Kelsey. Hello, this is Frank. Howdy, this is Auburn. Bastra says the doctor has renewed himself, but Clara says he doesn't look renewed. He's older. Bastra gives Clara a poetic lesson on longevity of Time Lords and ends with, he looked younger in order to be accepted. Has Clara reacted badly to this regeneration because they won't be able to flirt anymore? Clara angrily replies that she is not easily distracted by young men and she will not be judged. Vastra accepts this and says that the doctor needs them right now, especially Clara. She's not distracted easily by young men unless they're muscly and what was it? Playing sports. Doing sports. sports. Is that sport? That's subconscious. (laughs) That's not going to be distracted. It looks Greek. I gotta say, the biggest thing I have a hard time believing about the beginning of this episode, more so than Duranosaurus, is that no one noticed Madame Vastra when she took off her veil. Yes, I agree. But they all I, know I, I, of her. Not the people all know along the riverbank. Not, yeah, not the, not the, all the regular citizens. But I mean, she's been around. She's the, you know, Sherlock Holmes of the time. They said they know her, they call her. I don't know. I think, you know, since time has progressed, it's like, it didn't bother me that much. In watching this episode closely in the beginning, because that, that was the first thing that bugged me, was that no one no one was looking at her because there's a dinosaur in 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 london so right. and if you look at the footage no one actually was looking directly at her i, I just found it to be very laissez-faire uh, mm. of her to to be so you know to, especially when later on she talks about having to put on the veil to be accepted um well, there's a there's a few inconsistencies uh throughout this episode like that but i i i, I overall i give it a pass but um Anyway, I have specifics I want to talk about. I don't know where to put them in, so I want everyone to <laughs> want everyone to talk first. I'm just surprised at how inept the inspector is. It laid an egg. <laughs> well, your grasp of biology really troubles me. I like that bit. This is a very humorous episode, which I did not get way back when I first watched it because the humor was very different yeah. than what I was used to. It's a little fighting, I... quick. It's to me, the juxtaposition isn't fitting right with the other humor that we've had in a serious situation. 
and that the way that he put into humor is to say how much they're having the excitement of it or something. It's a maybe it's just a easier joke, but there are a lot of jokes in this, and I'm really liking yeah. it more. And I'm starting to understand and get the timing of this humor. Yeah, it was such a different feeling. It was so much of being like Clara. I mean, this is not the 11th type of humor. This is not the 10th type of humor. This is totally different. But listening to it, how fast it goes by, it's good. <laughs> I'm very yeah. surprised. I like it uh, so much better. Since you, since you, yes, since you're bringing it up, I remember totally not digging this episode at all when yeah. I originally saw it. But I'm watching it yesterday and it's funny. Uh, like on paper, this is really, really funny. So, you know, I'm watching it and I'm realizing, you know, as with the, not to sound pretentious, but with a critical eye of a filmmaker, like I watch anything, but more so like, why doesn't, why doesn't this feel as funny as it is? This director does not know how to shoot comedy uh, or, or edit comedy because it's not, it's shot for drama and suspense and it's actually done really well. And the music, it, it had this really creepiness to the, to the uh, story uh, overall, which I think mm -hmm. fit really well. But watching it now, I think originally it was kind of like, wait, what's happening? This doesn't feel like our show. This feels so different. But like when I watched it yesterday, totally expecting, all right, we'll blast through these first few episodes of Capaldi and then I'll start enjoying it. Um, it was really, really funny. And I just kept thinking like, well, no, you don't want the camera there. No, you don't want to cut <laughs> there. No, you're, you're they're killing every joke with the way they made the, the show. Uh, but damn, yeah, I agree. It's really funny. So if you want, if you're not crazy about this episode, watch it again and just listen to what everyone is saying because it's hysterical. Right. Because what you want to do for comedy, and I will leave the filmmaking ex uh, uh, dissertation uh, at the end of this alone for the rest of our episode if I can. But what you want to do when something's really funny, you want a very simple shot because the complexity of what we're watching is the funny. If you have complex visuals, and complex thinking, humor, they fight each other and it doesn't work. Your brain asks like, what am I looking at? What am I doing? And then if I have to figure out humor on top of that, I, I'm not gonna catch it because I'm, ca I'm constantly catching up with the visuals. And that's why I think overall, this episode doesn't work funny wise. And, and I think that's why it's, it wasn't well regarded amongst many people, including myself, but um, relaxing about that, watching it a second time years later, I, I I now really like this episode as a fan. Mm. So my vote is for... <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing there, huh? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so that's why I think... And, and the comedy's throughout, but that's why I think this episode feels as clunky as it does. But okay. when you actually watch it, there's a lot of good stuff. So why doesn't it work? It should work. That's why. Yeah, they push it too far, though. If you have to put a thunk mm -hmm. sound effect yeah. in oh, the newspaper... It's, I hate it. I've yeah. always hated it. Oh, I, I've I mean, never liked that. <laughs> I, oh my goodness. It's like, we're, we're, we're no, talking don't. about when he's going to put her to sleep, but she back no, in the newspaper. Several and moments. Newspaper. But also there's the boing when the doctor oh, gets falls asleep. Out. Yeah, both of those. Both of them. Both of yeah. those. I know you like them. I did. I was I sitting next showed... to you laughing. <laughs> but I thought it showed Strax has great aim. <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, that I thought the humor was set up for it. You know, just the way that they um, mm. showed him throwing it, just the look of it, it was set up as a humorous shot, which was great. Well, the one that really bugs me is the Boeing going to sleep. Yeah. Because yeah. that's yeah. literally that's literally a Warner Brothers cartoon sound effect. And... Of a piano dropping. It was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Brian, think, where'd you go? Okay. Where'd you go, Brian? That's a low, low class, <laughs> I guess. But I'm with Josh. The first time that I watched this for this podcast, I did not appreciate the comedy. I was taken aback by the 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 tone imbalances. I think Josh, that you mentioned a little bit, like especially the next paragraph we get with the T Rex um, being right next to the comedy. But I think what also hurt it is. Peter Capaldi being an older actor and the very beginning comedy bits with the co- the Paternoster gang and Clara, like you almost feel sad for like the the actor or the, the character themselves because, you know, when I see an older person that can't comprehend who they are or has yeah. those cognitive things, like that, that also like kind of, you know, it's funny when Matt Smith is confused because he's young and it's the juxtaposition of that. But when it's like an older person and they, yeah. you know, he's like their mouth agape and like confused. And then he's and then he's in his underwear in an <laughs> yeah. alley like it, it just it painted too much of a relatable picture. Yeah. And but you, 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 this, you, guys, you guys both know he's basically Frank and Maya's age, right? You I'm know. saying in this. But it, he has gray hair <laughs> yes. and wrinkles and you don't have gray hair or wrinkles. And you weren't just played by Matt Smith, you know, last episode. Even even Matt Smith in old age makeup, you know, looks. It's just looks, I never. He looked to me just for me. That's something new. I I always just take it as the doctor's mm-hmm. generating. And, I never and, I never I never ever thought of it as like oh god this person's mentally mm-hmm. going down. And I'm coming from just the 2005 like the, the 2005 series is my base, so I haven't seen you know an older doctor yet. Um, and I didn't, you know, so that probably is also affecting my perception of it. But then the second time I watched it for this podcast, I did enjoy it a lot more and was able to, you know, turn off like my discomfort as some of those mm-hmm. things with the doctor and later with the T-Rex. Um, so I did appreciate the humor a lot more on the second watch. But Josh, I think that's also like going to your point of that's more of like a fan uh, way of operating like you don't like it the first time so you watch it again to try to like it a little bit more uh, yes, you know where new who viewers yeah, yeah yeah and you do because you're primed to mm-hmm. yeah yes and you you already like are able to you know you've already pre-forget or you can pre-forgive the things that you know are going to bother you whereas the first pre- time watching pre-forgive, it, oh, I like that yeah you're just like <laughs> but yes one thing that they they brought up they, someone says something about the dinosaur being too big. Yes, Jenny does. And then they never return to that. It is definitely too big. It's like as tall as Big Ben. Yeah, yeah. way too and way then, too large. And I, I would have accepted that just to be cartoonish, but someone mentions it, if I'm not mistaken. And Vasha says, I was there. They are that big. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that what she says? Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense either because we know how big they are. We have the bones whatever all right that's I think, what Ginny said yeah <laughs> yeah are you quoting from the show now <laughs> i guess so i guess uh, i think there's a couple I, I was, self-referential things to the show itself like throughout uh well the like, whole scottish thing the whole scottish thing hysterical the whole doctor oh, and like the yeah. face thing like i know it's thematic the these, deeper the yeah. these or i've seen this face before and like you know in the real world we have yeah there is a mm-hmm. lot like of what you like frank it's not so much intended from the characters but there's a lot of dialogue that means two different things depending on what your point of view is 
comedically um this whole thing but yeah what what, what did you say Auburn, about uh i'm sorry i'm not gonna be able to pull it oh you just mentioned something about some confu- people being confused about what someone's talking about oh so i think it was the scottish thing uh, this is a number of scottish there you go digs oh. <laughs> There's a number of Scottish. well, yeah. It's, it's the the whole thing about the doctor. I mean, they started. The more I watch it, the more I see it. Even earlier, it's like he's so disoriented, but he's also so angry, and he's angry now because he's Scottish. Right, right. You know? and, and then and they're it, playing it gets... on that, and then and then they're like, like, like he's like, he doesn't say like you're you're talking funny. He's saying, what happened to your accents? You don't sound normal anymore. You sound English. Like that's such a <laughs> insult. And then they call back him. A bit, a kind of a Scottish rift, I think, when him and Clara are together later. They do it a couple of times. He does it. He does it in yeah. the alley where he's like, "Oh my God, I'm Scottish. Yeah. Sco- I, I can complain now. I'm Scottish. Right. I can complain now. I'm Scottish." And he was like excited about it. He was. Yeah. He was just happy. I'm happy that I can be angry now. That's very, yeah, very yeah, Scottish. Yeah. No, very good. Looking again, I know, uh, but but watching this again, I really appreciate what Peter Capaldi was doing in this episode. Yes. But I'm Auburn, I never really thought of it as an older person in a dressing gown losing mm-hmm. their way. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I saw it was that he's disoriented. Clara sees him as being disoriented, not the same person that he was. And that's why she gets so upset when Vostra is just saying, oh no, you can't turn his pretty head anymore and all this flirting. You know, she gets so pissed going, you weren't there. I was back with the dinosaurs and he didn't know how to fly the TARDIS and he didn't know what to do. He didn't, this isn't the same person because he is going through the whole regeneration. Yeah, like as your, your point is, she's never even seen him be disoriented post-regeneration before. So it's like a double wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah the have, interesting thing, it's though, just how Vaster could take it. It's a, the thing that bugs me about this episode, and it really every time I watch it, it bugs me less and less because I don't think about it as much anymore. If there's any companion who should know what a regeneration is and what it does, it's Clara. She's seen every right, yeah. single regeneration of the Doctor. Oh, right. yeah, you're right. She's, <laughs> she's seen Tennant. <laughs> she's seen the War Doctor. I mean. She's, you know, I mean, it's different when it literally is happening. She's seen the first Doctor. Yeah, she's seen everybody. So it's like, it's. I, I can understand that in the moment you'd be freaking out. But is but, this the Clara's consciousness who remembers all that? Yes. But she's also saying change him back. Mm. She's saying, no, no, he can change, but I don't like the way he's changed. Change him back. She's basically saying I don't like him because he's old now. No. I think she's shocked that he's old. I'm thinking she doesn't know much about the regenerations. She knows he has had different faces, but I can understand her thinking, you start young, you get old, then you regenerate, you start young, you get old. Then you right, like I think, you know? and I think usually she just figured when I saw the other versions of the doctor when he was old, he just aged. And he should be a younger him. version of this character and then he'll age. Just throw, well, even when you it's, think it's, of the word regenerate, you know, you think, oh, born into something new, you know, and so it is yeah. hard to to look at, like the doctor said, who who frowned these lines. Like, obviously, he's you know much farther advanced, yeah, than like Matt Smith or even David Tennant appeared to us. I don't know, his age might be closer to some of them than looks like on TV. Yeah, her her lines when the doctor is, uh, I guess, sleeping. She goes, why does this face have all those lines on it? Why gray? It's a brand new face. I kind of like that, just that scene, but there's also problematic stuff prior. But when Clara does ask, how do we change him back? That's what she says. Mm. It's it's kind of like what Rose did when the tenth doc- the ninth doctor regenerated into the tenth. Can you go back? And like, oh, you don't like me? <laughs> and then another callback is when Vastra goes, well, 
here we go again, which is, it's a direct quote from uh, the Brigadier when the third doctor regenerated into the fourth doctor. So I think those hmm. little callbacks are nice. Hmm. And Vastra is so cold blooded. Literally. Uh. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, her her line, like there's a stranger in the house, like that was, mm -hmm. that was, that good. was great. Yeah. And then her whole, I was glad to see them back in that little atrium with the wicker chairs mm -hmm. and the fountains. Yeah, because cause she is cold-blooded, so they need mm -hmm. to keep it warm for her. I did not like Vastra during this. It's like, mm. you're not understanding anything. I was on Clara's side going, you don't get it. How dare you? I thought she was just See, and I just saw it, I saw it as Vastra knew, knew deep down how Clara felt, but she just needed to give Clara a little guidance and a little push to get her there quick. So that's why she was so uh, in her face, you know. Yeah, I like that. It was like the one word test. It's yeah. Like, okay, I got to get her this so that she can start thinking a different way and get to that point where she can be honest with herself. I mean, because even, on. you know, the, the even the, the moment when Clara stands up and is herself, the veil, Vostra's veil goes away. So it's like the testing's over. Yeah, that's a, that's a great line there where she says, when did the veil go away? When you started seeing me. It's great. Yeah. I thought when the doctor was in the streets, in the nightgown, looking at his face and trying to remember where he saw it before. I thought one of the reasons they kept him in the nightgown or put him in that is because it looked like Roman robes. Oh, to that's me, interesting. It, to me, it like really then parallels. They know what they're doing. They know that he, we've all seen him before if we watched the whole series. So it's, to me, it just looked more like the character that he played before why he chose that face. So that's, I don't know, I just saw that as the, from, from the, some of the mid shots. It was also interesting that then, like, when Clara was having her angry reply, like, her pinup that was on her bedroom wall was uh, a Roman emperor. Was it Marcus Aurelius? Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. <laughs> Marcus Aurelius. So, like, her uh, claiming that she's not into, like, young men, but, like, through her protestation, it's like, no, she's really into, like, old Roman guys. Like, was, was that <laughs> meant to, like, connect back to Peter Capaldi, or was that just... I don't know. Coincidence? <laughs> yeah. She, I mean, she, she has mentioned Marcus Aurelius before. Okay. But, yeah. but that was only in teaching. So that's, I, that's my headcanon now. I think that's very funny. They're like, no, this is actually her type and we're going to throw it. But, but I don't think it plays like that the rest of the, their time together. Yeah. Uh, the other thing <laughs> is we, we get a new opening and I really enjoyed this one with the clock gears and mm -hmm. the, um, like zooming out or into something the vortex is more about zooming into the innards of a clock did you do you know the background of that go ahead <laughs> <laughs> okay um that was a fan's idea mm -hmm. a fan did a did a thing on youtube just a, yeah. a quick little all the gears and steampunkish and moffat saw it and liked it and uh uh got the concept from the guy and then they made their own version of it that was all high def so that was literally a fan's fan's idea for those credits. Billy Hanshaw, that was the YouTuber that made the fan-made opening. Mm. We did find out that the TARDIS also doesn't translate dinosaur, so it doesn't translate dinosaur, <laughs> animals, or babies. <laughs> so <laughs> the doctor can That's translate a... those, but you know, TARDIS doesn't get it. That's a good point. Um, oh, just one last thing before we move on. I like that they keep the tradition where Capaldi's in Matt Smith's suit in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, and he doesn't oh, have the bow tie. Really he doesn't. And he doesn't have. He the doesn't bow have the bow tie because Matt Smith took it off. That was yep. great. It was great continuity. Yeah. So I really like that they get that. A 
Alone, the doctor watches as a T-Rex bursts into flames and dies. The doctor and the gang arrive at the Thames to investigate. The doctor's first question is, have there been any similar murders? And the answer is yes. The doctor jumps into the river and swims away to solve the case. The next morning, he finds a bit of newspaper reporting spontaneous combustion. Vostra and Jenny are also discussing spontaneous combustion. There have been nine cases in the last month. Perhaps the killer is burning their victims to hide what might be missing from them. Clara enters with a newspaper, telling them to look at an ad addressed to the impossible girl. She figures out that she is to meet the doctor for lunch at Mancini's restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I really like the twist of like, well, what question is he trying to figure out? I'm sitting there watching it like, well, what is he talking about? The, the, the turn of um, have there been this, have there been similar murders recently? I really like that detective, smartest detective in the room thing. Yes. Yeah, I alluded to this before, but I did not like the dinosaur going up in flames, especially because they work so hard to uh, anthropomorphize her, you know, giving like she's a poet. She's like there yeah. for Lord and like speaking her anguish. And she's lost. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, why did you spend that time and then didn't do anything with it? Yeah. But this, the death was done as a joke. Yeah, that's I was going to say that it didn't work for me. That's true. I mean, his Especially, whole, I'm going to take you home and put the head, you know, trying to do all this. Make you safe. <laughs> yeah. You're definitely going to make right. me safe and then poof. It's too yeah. sad. It's just too freaking sad. I was also thinking, um, and we move along from Victorian times. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then, I mean, Doctor Who, you can travel in time and space from the present to the Victorian times and back. Yeah. I know. I, to be extremely nitpicky, there's that scene where Clara comes down the stairs in her Victorian garb, and all I can think is like, who did her hair? Who the hell <laughs> did her hair? That, that is an hour's that is an hour's worth of, of hair time that she wouldn't have been able to do herself. Mm -hmm. I, I was gonna maybe save this for last, but this this episode goes against the grain of what we know is the template of how you start off with a new doctor. This is not in modern day yeah. with the companion trying to figure out like is the doctor gonna be okay from a regeneration. And it's not they could have done it, but Clara hadn't seen a regeneration prior to this. So it's just odd. Yeah. What I think yeah. is off with Clara is that every time we've seen her, her her origin or her backstory mm. gets revised. So this one, it feels like we should have been in the modern day to know that she's still a school teacher yeah. instead of the next couple episodes. And there's going to be flashbacks in this episode, but it doesn't. It feels like it's going the carriage before the horse type of thing. Or there's maybe too many ideas in Moffat's head. Yeah, this definitely felt like a, a Moffat salad, this whole episode. Well, the whole thing is him referencing his old stuff, like uh, yeah. Girl in the Fireplace with these droids that are half human because they're using organic parts to repair themselves. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> again, that was another, like, really meant-to-be-funny moment, the doctor falling out of the tree like he's upside down. Um, I did like the camera work from the doctor falling upside down to then the hooves coming. Mm -hmm. I think we're also upside down and we rotated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was some good lines there with like, uh, I need your pet or <laughs> like. Yeah. I was uh, talking to the horse. Was, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But then uh, I thought it was very funny that the doctor had his screwdriver with him after all of these hijinks of like falling and uh you know he, he had seen the dinosaur burn he went swimming he fell through the trees <laughs> where was that screwdriver exactly <laughs> yeah. but it was fun for the episode time lords have a pouch yes <laughs> or he learned something from captain jack <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. 
I did, uh, I did like the line when uh, the doctor's yelling at the T-Rex uh, about traveling through time and apologizing. I brought you along by accident. Uh, that's usually how I meet girls. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a great line. All the dialogue, a very, that's a very Moffat line. Yeah, yeah no, this, this is this episode ripe with Moffat line. All the innuendos that are throughout. I, at one point, I can I can enjoy good innuendos, but at one point I'm like, all right, Steve, forget it. Yeah. You're, a, you're a horny little bugger. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I talk about the screwdriver. Oh, everything. I mean, okay. the whole episode is rife with it. Uh, you know, even the fact that, like, when she, when Jenny thinks she's being painted, I mean, not that I minded. I, I, I don't mind it because I enjoyed it as, 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 you know, as a red-blooded, you know, fella. But at the same time, you know, it was just like it's just an easy gag to, for titillation, which is Moffat. But anyway, it is fine. Um, <laughs> but oh, but that dialogue with him and the bum in the alley was was just brilliant it's so so much brilliant stuff i mean even the the most it's a bit of a cliched line but it it was if if the worst line in a whole bit of dialogue is like do you reckon do you recognize that guy in the mirror it's like yeah every time i looked in the mirror you were something like that (laughs) yeah that's yeah it it, it was just Uh, that actor was great he was great it Mm -hmm. was and and the way that again this was one of those scenes where they he was saying something that the bum thought he meant something else who the doctor thought he meant something so they were having two different conversations that made sense to to both of them it was brilliant it's also a good transition scene between him being completely out of it and then completely the doctor you can kind of see things are beginning to come back (laughs) right and it because isn't that the first time he actually sees himself even know that he looks that way oh he was looking at that mirror he's like there's an angry person in that mirror that's right. At Fisk, at Master's house, in the bedroom. Oh, yeah. in the bedroom, right, right. There's an angry person. Yeah, but I don't even think he, he made a point. He, he dismissed it. Like, there's an angry don't person. Look, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't look at that. It's mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't look at that. There's an angry person. I, I want to watch this episode again, just for the funny. <laughs> yeah. It's like, the face is okay until you get to the eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're yeah. like, they're independent on their own. You can take them off and they would just, and they're cross. They want to see from the rest of the face. And then the bum says that they're like, they are quite extraordinary or something. Like that. Like, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember what he said, but he, he comments on it. They have like a shared, they do, then they have a shared moment. Was it like you can open bottles with them? Yeah, something remember. like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Jumping ahead slightly, but I'll just refer to get there. The whole com- the whole comedic back and forth about how much he smells when they're in the restaurant <laughs> is again brilliant. Like she's like, you smell? He's like, yeah, I know it's everywhere. <laughs> and uh, oh, it's just and it kept go- it kept coming back to it too. It's just so funny. All right, go ahead. The doctor meets Clara in a back booth of the restaurant. They discover that neither one sent the ad, and the people in the restaurant are only pretending to eat and breathe. Suddenly, the booth starts descending and lands in an industrial room where the half-faced man is sitting. The doctor thinks that they are in an ancient spaceship where the droids are harvesting body parts. Wait, that rings a bell. Body snatcher, robot, classic works every time it worked for a girl in the fireplace (laughs) but um so many so many things and again that's the problem and the great thing about this episode so many things happen in that restaurant scene yeah yes um yeah it's like the comedy that i'm talking about the creepiness of the robots them figuring out and then there's the okay who sent the ad 
I'm still a little unclear on who sent the ad. Because they haven't said who yet. Yes. Right, okay. So you haven't well, got well, an they, they sure. don't. We just eventually find out. Okay. I, we don't find out in this episode. Oh, we don't find out in this episode. No. no. Right. Oh, but no. they but they do talk about it in the TARDIS at the end. Oh, I know they do, but they still don't quite figure it out. It's, it's the, the series arc. It's the beginning of right. the series arc kind of thing. Okay, right, right, right. But if you don't, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> My only criticism of it is they have been breathing and doing everything that they tried to secretly not do at the end of the scene for at least 10 minutes before that. Like, why all of a sudden now did they start to be noticed? Because the kitchen wasn't ready for them yet. <laughs> style right, over substance. Style over substance is the only... Well, they had the to waiter be, they had didn't be... get there to analyze yeah, what was good. They had to be scanned first. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Okay, it so, was worth it. So, Josh, speaking of that scene, the Clara is in her Victorian garb waiting for whoever is responding or put out the ad to meet her. Right. And she looks over... She looks over and then she looks over again and then the doctor is there. That I don't know why that made me laugh the second time I watched it this week. The first time I watched it, I was like, that's weird. That's a weird choice. And then now it's like, oh, I get the humor. So, and then and then you talk about what you, you just mentioned with the uh, smell because he got the coat from the guy in the alley. Yeah. And that's why he smells like that. And he's like, it's everywhere. <laughs> But also the way that he sat there, kind of slumped, just there, not like he just sat down. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it's just that's it was, sold it as he like it, like he's been there for a while, yeah. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't shot again. It wasn't shot very well for the comedy, but it's still working. Yeah. This is and my favorite scene in the whole show, and I think that's because this is the first time the Doctor was the Doctor, and even he's even different from the beginning of the scene to the end of the scene. Yeah, but but in this, he this is full on. This is the twelfth Doctor. So I'm really and I like that, and I just love their sparring. Yes, right. I I'm wrapped up in their the way they're react. I'm wrapped up in what they're saying and what it's revealing about each about themselves. Um, I I love that he you know she thinks that he's referring to himself as an egomaniac, and oh, then yes, right. later it, she it it takes her a beat to realize that actually he was calling her the egomaniac, and she can't let go of it. But so and again they're having like two conversations at the same time they're talking about the fact that he called her an egomaniac while they're also trying to solve why they're there and then that my favorite line is like Albert and I have told you to write it down what it what is she said nothing is more important than my egomania yeah right. <laughs> and and then he was like he responds like you said it not me <laughs> just that's really good. Well then well then they only have they have not only that okay the the scene in the alley where they're talking about two different things but having the same com conversation then Clara does it with the doctor at the table and then when the waiter comes in the same thing happens we're like is there a kids menu Yeah right. and then they start, and then he starts scanning them with like kidneys liver I don't like, like liver I, I don't think that's what's on the menu <laughs> we're on the menu and I mean it's kind of dark where yes. they go they have a kids menu yeah. When you're thinking that they're harvesting kid organs. Yeah. Okay. One of my favorite lines. <laughs> yeah. no, good. I was just thinking I didn't I didn't get that the first time, but that is very funny. Because also in that time period they wouldn't have a kid's menu. Yeah. Yeah. Um but one of the other lines I really liked was when he pulled the hair from her head to check the right. yarn going. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> then he did it you'd again. want that hair out of place killed. <laughs> just going to her vanity. It was yeah, yeah. done well. Done well. But I, I really thought it was disgusting, overly gross. They didn't need to do it to put the human face on Clara. The doctor <laughs> yeah. should not have done oh. that. That was too much. 
But they were I, setting up the yeah, doctor they were later. Setting that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know what? Gross. I thought the same thing. But I, but what that does is it sets up the viewer because it's so quick. Later, it sets up yeah. the logic of what he did, and if the viewer didn't see that originally, they may be more confused when it happened later. Because I thought the same thing. No, oh, I get it. I was actually taken aback by how she wasn't grossed out enough that it happened. She was more annoyed, but oh, you put a face on me. I mean, I know that this is a reference to like Silence of the Lambs, but I recently rewatched, I think it's Stress Relief from The Office, where Dwight cuts off the uh, CPR dummy's face and puts it on himself. <laughs> that always made me laugh. And so uh, just recently rewatching that episode, it reminded me of uh, that. <laughs> That's funny. Um, in this, uh, Clara mentioned the Burke and Hare. Do you, did you look them up? Yes, yes. What? When did she, what? Well, when it was when they're downstairs that? and they first start walking around, seeing all of the androids being hopefully dormant. Mm -hmm. um, they're talking about having the human parts and the android parts. And she says, oh, it's just like uh, Burke and Hare. So did you look oh, it up? I, do you want to read it? I, I did, but you if you know, go, go ahead, Frank. No, well, uh, this is just from... Oh, Wikipedia. The Burke and Hare murders were 16 serial killings committed oh. over a period of about 10 months in 1828 in Edinburgh, Scotland. They were undertaken by William Burke and William Hare, who sold oh. the corpses to Robert Knox for dissection at his anatomy lectures. So, okay, I do know about that. Thank you for reading that. It's um, when modern medicine started happening. There was a stigma of like doing things to dead bodies because it was like the burial rites and it would interfere with their passage to whatever is next in this life. So these people would just get bodies and send them to, uh, I guess, practicing doctors because they wanted to do more research and it was kind of frowned upon. Wasn't but... there a, a television show with uh, Andy Serkis and Simon Pegg where they played Birkin Hare? Oh, was yeah, there? Was a... Yeah, Birkin yeah. Hare in 2010. Oh, wow. It's good. It's a good movie. It's directed by John Landis. That's right. I think it was one of his last movies that he that he yeah. had directed, and that's why I watched it because I was like, John Landis directed this, so I made a point to watch it. I'm sorry, I totally interrupted you, but no, that's a great no. That's that all good... ties. It all ties. Yeah. yeah, it's a good fun movie, and because it's John Landis, it kind of has the feel of a, I don't want to say classic as in the classics, but like an '80s traditional storytelling um, narrative. Mm -hmm. So is it is it funny because I kind of associate Landis yeah. with okay. It was like it's like a dark comedy. Yeah. So it's a so it's a cut up. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> okay. All right, sure. Yeah. Uh, the they use the um, the screwdriver to get on the they're like tied down or whatever to this. Um, yeah. Someone help me out. What's going on here? So anyway, See, they use the screwdriver. To the, they're tied to the booth and they undo it with a screwdriver. And he tells they do it by teamwork to get the screwdriver to back to the doctor to do it and um she clara makes a point to, well he's like don't let it roll away and she was like well design one that doesn't roll next time and watching this now i was like she did the doctor did the next screwdriver the doctor designed doesn't roll and mm -hmm. i just thought that was really cool that like <laughs> that um nice. that you know but also this doctor did make another sonic that doesn't roll Oh. oh, did he? Oh, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know that. The big bulky thing. The blue one that looks like part of the TARDIS in the middle. Oh, I'm thinking those two, yeah. The glasses. <laughs> oh, Spoilers, right, right, right. the glasses. We, we, we won't talk about the glasses. I have right. to. <laughs> uh -oh. They don't roll. <laughs> That's true. They rock and roll. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> 
Or there's another line where she says, maybe make it voice activated next time. And then he does right. the face and she's like, oh, it does. <laughs> Don't yeah. tell me And it what's does. that from? And it's, it's just a joke. Oh, oh I mean. okay. Okay. You went through all that trouble and I, I could have done this. Oops. Yeah, I kind of liken it to the the day of the doctor where they're all trying to scan the wood and then Claire right, just right. opens it. <laughs> it's it's like you could have just opened it. Yeah. No one tried to open the door. <laughs> yeah. Claire and the doctor are separated when a door suddenly closes. And I want you all to know that was a really hard line to figure out how to write forever. The doctor starts to sonic the door open, but stops saying that she would slow him down. Taking the sonic, he leaves Clara to the half-faced man. Remembering what the doctor said upstairs, she holds her breath to give the appearance that she is another robot. She hangs on as long as she can, but eventually takes a breath and she is captured. The half-faced man orders her to tell them where the other one is or she will be killed. Clara says to kill her because she's never gonna answer. Again, she is asked, where is the other one? I don't know, she replies, but if the doctor is still the doctor, I know where he will be, he'll have my back. And she reaches behind her back and hopes. A robot grabs her hand and pulls off its face, revealing the doctor. He asks them why they put the ad in the paper luring them here. The robot doesn't seem to understand what he's talking about. No, I just, I just got the title. <laughs> like, the title of this episode has been bugging me because I didn't get it why I was named this, and now I just realized. There's one big thing that just always, always bugs me, and they can't get past it. So the robots are stupid, right? So you're in the room and you stop breathing and they don't see you. So move where the robots aren't near you, take a couple breaths and start, and then not breathe and then hold your breath again, and then move and take a couple. It's like, you don't have to, you know, asphyxiate yourself because the robots are stupid. They'll stop every time, you know, you hold your breath. Yeah, I mean, it's it's made for the drama of it. No, I get it's it for just, the drama. It, it's, it's, everyone knows what that feels like to like be gulping because you, you're trying to hold your breath and, and stuff. So the visceral nature of it. The thing that bothered me was how long it took her to do that. I mean, granted, when your life's at stake, you could probably do it more than that, but it was really drawn out. I liked that. I, th I thought the scene was really done well. I think the scene was done well. I think she acted well. The close-up of her eyes showed so much. The, the red from the, you know, the look of the camera, her point of view, that uh, reminds me of first-person shooters mm -hmm. when you get shot. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's why I think that this scene is for kids because they're the ones playing these video games and then they're the ones playing these like red light, green light type of games where you hold your breath and you can't be spotted. It's a little sort of what we were talking about earlier where the tones don't fit as much because there's the logic that Brian is uh, mentioning and I also thought of too, like move. <laughs> Yeah, but then it's rudimentary, so it's for kids. Yeah, yeah. Kids are out I mean, there holding their breaths. The thing is, like the, the freeze, like freeze tag, or yeah, it's very similar to that type of game where, mm. uh, like, I turn around red light or green light, and then I like turn back light, around. One, two, three. Yeah. Um, oh, the problem that this that the Doctor Who show has a lot is there's some choices they make story wise, scene wise, and stuff. And you're like, why the hell are they doing that? 
and then there's a reason for it but we don't know the reason so yet so all we're doing is sitting there going why the hell are they doing it this way and, if, and it all makes sense and i think that's why we end up enjoying so many of the episodes more the second time because they have to do this in order for this to happen which is great but we don't know it's great yet and all we see is like why the hell are they doing that i was surprised clara was safe out the door and the doctor was lingering behind and then she goes to get him and pushes him through the door and that's when it closes. So again, she saves the doctor and traps herself. And then the doctor choosing to leave her, devastating. It's like- I wonder, I wonder if there's a moment where he gets the idea for his plan sooner than we realize that, I mean, like if we watch it even, you know, again and again, like- Yeah, I've watched it a couple of times. I didn't see that. So but now, I like when, you, when that. you go back, let us know because I wasn't well, yeah, really looking for you. it, but I still didn't, yeah. didn't pop I up. I bet you like off paper, that's what happened. That may be why they paused at the door there like that. Cause he's like, I need her to stay in here so I can do this. So I'm going to do that now. Yeah, I do like that. I watching it a second time on a second viewing, she was never in danger. He never left her. Um, mm -hmm. Which is just, which is just great. And well, it, he did and, leave again, her, and she was able to at least hold her breath. So oh, did he know back then yes, to say yes. how long can you hold your breath when they're up in the restaurant? Yeah. I don't know about she not being in danger. He had his plan. You know, she should, and he trusts her to get herself out. But I don't think he was there to save her if something else went wrong before she got where she was. And then she passed out, and we don't know how long she was passed out for. But I don't think he, during that time, until she passed out, he wasn't around because he was off getting ready for the next stage. So he had to trust her, but it's like, he, you know, the doctor still... Luckily, the doctor her. is the one who picks her up when she goes unconscious. So Clara fell at the exact right spot. <laughs> Convenient. That wasn't the same person, was it? That wasn't the yeah. same... Was? Yeah. Go back oh. and watch it. It's so Oh my cool. gosh. It's okay. so cool. Like when I saw it, I even said to Auburn, I'm like, that's the doctor. And we had to, he, I had, we had to rewind to show Auburn. Like you, you don't, I just, yeah. It's just okay. that, that's cool it, that he's It is very convenient. Up. It's very, very <laughs> convenient. But they do make that guy that is the doctor made up. The, the guy seems very distinctive. You know, yeah. he's, he's very pale and he's very bald. And he's very like a Adams family butler. And I think they did that intentionally to draw your eye to him when as she's falling. Yeah. Well, well, I, I failed that, that test. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up because now I know. So now I can yeah, get so he there. Because that was always bugging probably, me that he actually left her. He probably ascertained that this is what they were going to do to her. And also, like, she's going to do this. She'll remember to do this. While she's doing that, I'm going to get ready. The second she's unconscious, I'm going to scoop her up. And um, so, so. Wall, also don't forget, though, Wall, this in higher time not breathing well the doctor he's got two hearts yeah so they're both beating really fast for more oxygen <laughs> yeah, well if you have the human skin over your face then you're not disturbing the air yeah maybe, maybe. oh okay <laughs> i'll go with that or maybe, maybe it's a he six did foot the thing rule that you guys <laughs> you guys were talking about he would basically go out of sight out of eye line so he could breathe and then back in eye line yeah i'll go with that it's well, like it was, I, I, when, this is this is this is just me but when he pulls the mask off i'm I with you god, i swear to god when they stretch it it's matt smith's face because when he pulls it's just it's matt smith's, it's definitely his mouth mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like oh my god nice maybe they had an old like oh all the old age makeup i'm sure they had a bunch of plaster of, yeah. of matt smith made up but yeah, I agree, Brian. As soon as I saw, I was like, that was Matt Smith. That's why seeing the guy earlier, who's the doctor, was a little bit confusing. I loved it. I just, it was like, I don't care if nobody else sees it. I think it's great. Never try to control a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, you know, I will say that the actor playing the main villain, even though he was being wooden, he was great because I, I felt like he conveyed a lot of emotion and also that robotic like through not moving his face. Like the whole point was him not to emote, but like uh, he, he was really great. And whatever they needed him to do for the special effects, he was a pro at. Yeah. Oh, th this reminded me of something earlier of those double lines where he's talking to Alfie and Alfie's or he says, you've got good eyes. And he's like, it's a gift, gift accepted. <laughs> then he takes out his eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's done very well. I, I really particularly like his acting. And I don't know if it's his acting or the directing or CG, but how the clockwork takes time to like process information. Mm -hmm. Like when Clara tells him something and uh, you see him like look and like all the gears in his head are continuing to work and then like, he responds. Yeah. Like they're literally gears turning. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I didn't I didn't even make that correlation, but yeah. And like yeah, I the, just thought it was the way that the eyes were connected like that, yeah, it was just an amazing piece of of uh effects. Yeah. 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 That one shot of the eye when it's got all the gooey stuff on the back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they showed so many close-ups, which usually you try to hide special effects makeup and things like that. They were like blatantly daring us to show to to, to like uh you know point out anything that isn't working. And I was looking and I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it was good. Is a detailed uh, account of the special effects available on video? Uh, it is on the DVD, so that's where I saw it. I'm trying to find it if it's on uh, YouTube anywhere. Yeah, that's right. We can look for it. So they did a live cast of the act. Uh, I'll, I'll do this later. Remind me. Okay. Yeah, okay. This is for the end. And one other good line. Droids and apostrophes. I could write a book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Brian, you definitely have the data for that. Data. <laughs> Thank you. Data. Ugh. Hated that lady. Hey. I, I just hated her so much when she was having that conversation, but it bothered me so much. What, what name, difference does it make? Makes a difference because it's his name, lady. <laughs> she was just so dismissive of him. It sticks in my mind, obviously. <laughs> Clara activates a device and Vastra and Jenny arrive via Circus Delay in the center of the room. They fight the robots in the chamber while the doctor tries to get more information. He finds out the robots are heading for the promised land and paradise. The half-faced man leaves in the escape pod section of the restaurant while the doctor holds on underneath. Once back in the restaurant, the doctor calmly pours a drink and offers one to the robot. The doctor has the horrible feeling that he might have to kill him. The doctor finds a part labeled SS Marie Antoinette, sister ship of Madame de Pompadour. Nope, doesn't ring a bell. Oh. The escape pod is connected to a giant skin balloon and starts to float over London. Using the ship of Theseus theory, the doctor tries to convince the robot to destroy itself and they start fighting at the window's edge. They argue that they both are programmed not to kill or self-destruct, but the doctor knows one of them is lying. And with that, the robot is impaled on the spike of Big Ben, dead. The doctor dispassionately looks out the window. The look, look, the look, the look, the look. Oh my God, oh my God, the look. This is when I, it was like, I now have such high hopes for this doctor. What did the look the, convey to you? Uh, did he do it? Yeah, he did it. Well, and I thought it was one tells us he did. Well, it it to me it was wow they're gonna try and go a little dark with a doctor. 
And I remember saying to you at the time, it's like, that's going to be quite the tightrope for them to walk as writers. Can they pull off a doctor who's darker? Um, and boy, won't that be fun. And then they quickly found out that they couldn't and changed him into the rock and roll mm, crazy middle age crisis, mid crisis, mid age crisis doctor. <laughs> yeah. But I loved his look. And then he just looks in the camera. Oh, it's so good. They use that for a lot of ads. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, is this any different than David Tennant shutting down all the robots in, in uh, Girl in the Fireplace? Girl in the Fireplace, because they're robots. He shuts them down. This And, you know, Capaldi shuts down this robot. He just does it a different way. Well, this robot isn't just a robot. It's a cyborg. Yeah, I know. It wants the promised land. Well, that's how you get to it. <laughs> well, who promised him the land? Who promised him? <laughs> well, know. but it says that they picked it up from the yeah, human pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can see that just infiltrating into them. I love that whole idea of the fact that there's nothing left of this character, of this being, because so many parts have been replaced in it as yeah. time has gone on, that he doesn't even know what he even originally wanted, wants now. Like, it's just, it's such a, car, a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. I mean, that's even a great uh, kind of metaphor for the doctor because he and she regenerates and mm. these pieces are yeah. replaced, but is it the same broom? But I don't. That's great. That's great. But I don't like that he doesn't remember the girl in the fireplace. He's still going through his. Uh, I know. Wibbly wobbly regeneration phase. So. I know, but they just they planted it there so obviously. I, I know. I'm, I'm surprised the next one said sister ship of the Madame de Pompadour, <laughs> which had robots just like this that the doctor stopped. And then he goes, nope, doesn't ring a bell. No, no, no. <laughs> we even did a uh, Time War audio dramas, and the the Doctor in that story starts up starts off on the Starship Theseus. Mm. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. What's the Starship Theseus? It's a it's an old well it it's an old Greek ship, the Theseus. And when you take a ship in back then. There was like wood rot and a lot of things that you needed to replace because of uh, rust, and just wear and tear. And so if you start off with this ship and you re suddenly replace the oars and you place the rudder and then you replace the floorboards, right. you replace the sail, the mast, is that ship still called the Theseus, the original ship that it started from? Yeah, it's very, a great argument. In the, um, the conversation that the doctor has with the half-faced man, like similar to the doctor's conversation with Clara at the restaurant, uh, like a lot of it is his own problems with himself. Like you said, like the Theseus argument or uh, like even more in depth as he like, I think he's like, who's, you know, do you recognize this face to the, the half-faced man? And yeah, it was all the questions that the doctor was having about himself, but that he was able to put onto the villain. Does he, in this episode, does he ever, do you think he ever, I, I mean, I don't think in the, in this episode, they write him saying like, oh, I remember this face. But do you think that there was a moment where he, in this episode that he does internally like remember why he no, does? No, not in this one. Oh. So again, it was very convenient that Vastra, Jenny and Strax were in the right place at the exact right time to, that there what? was actually a hole in the ceiling that they could actually come down from. But what, what gets me is, okay, you have this device that alerts them, right? Well, when 
when the doctor and when the doctor and Clara show up in that room for the very first time, had she activated the device at that moment, the exact same thing would have happened, except she waited a really long time to activate the device. There's really nothing different in the situation from the moment she they walk into the room to the moment uh, they 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 bring in the Paternoster gang. Does that make sense? Except that maybe the Paternoster gang wasn't there yet. Because they had it set up before they went in. They had the idea. True. But I mean, yes, you're right. But at the same time, we're just giving them the the benefit of the doubt that they are in that spot. So for me, it it's does like... look good. I, and it was fun. But I do think they were the backup, but not knowing what was going to happen. So they had that going, this is when we're going to need you. And it was the doctor saying, give the word. This is a time that they should come in. And so they, <laughs> which was, you know, again, a callback for it to be Geronimo. So it was like, right. yeah. Then she gets, oh, now's the time. <laughs> Got it. I'm just saying plot-wise, really you could cut that entire section out. The whole and door. The story would yeah. the story would continue on exactly the same. And again, this is another example of, you know, all the robots are coming, all the robots are coming, hold your breath, and the robots stop. It's like you can breathe a couple times and then hold your breath again. These aren't, you know, weeping angels. But aren't they? But aren't they? <laughs> no. No, they're too slow. <laughs> they're too stupid. Well, and where the angels became to the point of, oh, just pretend like you can see them. Right. They won't right. attack. Yeah. 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 Not, not that I'm better. And these droids are also reminiscent, not only because they're droids of the uh, girl in the fireplace, but they have the uh, bladed weapon out of their hand, just like they do in that episode as well. Yeah. Mm. I even like when the, the half-faced man had a, a blowtorch for an, a hand, that it wasn't just fire it was literally had the little like the the, the pilot, pilot light pilot yeah. light that lit the gas like it was very thought through and well done yeah when he removes yeah. the bigger hand literally that was great and he but just that's so creepy yeah. to have it yeah. on his collar <laughs> yeah 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 that was great too that was a great thing that he figured the doctor figured out like he had two different people's hands on him a lot, oh, lot of, lot of so little great nuances I mean, he, he left it on his collar just in case he needed yeah. a, you know, extra help, in extra case he hand. An extra hand. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he got that from the second-hand store? Maybe. You know, one too far. <laughs> Some might say not enough. They are not here on this call. <laughs> <laughs> That's hands down you're one of your worst jokes. Later, Clara enters the TARDIS looking for the doctor. He asks if she wants to stay with him, but she replies that she's sorry. She just doesn't know him anymore. Her phone rings and she goes outside to answer it. It's the doctor, the young doctor, her doctor. He's calling from Trenzalore right before his regeneration. He knows she's scared, but the man she is with right now is more scared than she can possibly imagine. And he needs you. The Scottish doctor asks, who is it? And from Trenzalore, the doctor says, he sounds old. Please tell me I'm not old. He says he misses her and they hang up. The doctor sadly begs Clara to just see him. He is the doctor, except for hugging. He's not the hugging doctor. And <laughs> off they go to get coffee. So this is why in the time of the doctor, we noted the uh, TARDIS phone. Mm. It pays off in this episode. Mm -hmm. And I do like that they yeah. edit they cut back and show you her doing that on Transalore, just to remind you. I think they got that a little bit off because that door was on the outside of the TARDIS and he was on the inside calling. Does but that the, door open out or in, or does it do both depending on which scene? I took it as he was inside the TARDIS. He was inside the entrance of the TARDIS and the phone just came around from the outside because it stretches that far. Because yeah, of the, that cord, like we learned in Bells of St. John goes kind of a long way. Right, <laughs> okay, that's true. I also like this scene because it is how Clara was introduced to the 11th Doctor through a phone. 
because she gets mm. a number mm -hmm. from a lady in a shop to call for Wi-Fi support. And then so her ending scene with the 11th Doctor is also through a phone. Mm -hmm. Yes, and they mentioned, the Doctor mentioned that right before she gets the phone call. And it took me a while to figure out what he was even talking about because I couldn't remember. And then the scene is also nice with like, help him, meaning help me as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And when the phone rings, the 12th Doctor says, answer that, it may be your boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a call back to, he's not your boyfriend, right. I'm not your boyfriend. And mm -hmm. the person on the phone is that person who was her boyfriend. I what? really liked how the Doctor brings that up, I'm not your boyfriend. And she says, I never thought you were. And then he says, I'm not saying it's your mistake. I was like, I loved that. I really liked that. And it was, yeah, it was unexpected. I wasn't expecting the dialogue to go that way. And so it was the next thing I thought was, I like that. I like that they, that they, that they, um, that they did that. And it helps better explain like the, the regeneration into Peter Capaldi's likeness, you know, to further for the doctor to uh, separate himself from his companions a little more. Although I haven't seen the stuff later, so that might get thrown out the window. Yeah. And the other thing I like about this this scene is that when the newly or whatever newly wardrobed <laughs> doctor Peter Capaldi comes out and he knows the conversation that she's had on the phone with the eleventh doctor, she's mm -hmm. like, "You shouldn't be listening on to other people's phone calls." And he's like, "No, I remember that was me making that call." Right. Right. That's a, that's a nice way to tie it in that this is the same doctor and that's when she is able to hug him. Like, well, uh -huh. first she looks him up and down and then hugs him. <laughs> uh -huh. And Eugene, you bring this up a lot where some things are done off camera that you wish would be shown. And this is one for me. How did the 11th doctor know when to call? When to set the receiving end of the call? Handles told him. <laughs> He made a note to his future self to tell me when to make the call time travel back because he put a note in his in his uh, purple coat. And so right before uh, uh, Capaldi changed out of it, he read the note. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> and then he went back to, no, it had to be Capaldi telling Matt. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, that's even though, right. I'm, jo even well, though I'm joking no, about no. it, that's what I was thinking. Or the TARDIS. Yeah, the TARDIS is making the phone ring when it needs to ring. They, well, he flew, like he landed first and then the phone rang, right? Like they yeah. landed in Glasgow, mm -hmm. Glasgow. So Glasgow. he knew when Matt Smith was going to be calling and where. So he just made the TARDIS go to that point. Oh, but he just how did Matt Smith it. is trying to call somebody? Yeah, he said, so, I'm going to call. Something that hasn't happened yet. How did he know he'd be so disoriented she would leave? Because he knows that this regeneration is going to be a- uh, It's going to be a whopper. Easy gonna be a whopper so he knows that he's probably gonna be completely out of it and he's like my contract says i get one more episode so <laughs> no no i, I, I like <laughs> yeah. the scene i yeah. thought it was done well just oh i love the scene i wish i could fill in to my own satisfaction he was right? calling sort of, into uh, where he would then eventually know to be it's a very bill and ted move mm -hmm. but, it, but remember it, to put the trash can yeah but it always <laughs> there that already. way whenever they call they aren't calling okay i'm going to call a specific time while i dial the number and i think i like the tardis i like the thought of the tardis it's like now's the time for the phone along the lines of what you're talking about frank we don't see the picking of the wardrobe and we don't see the yeah. redecorating of the tardis console room either so so again going back to the tardis doing it it feels like the tardis is doing all of that you could just like lump it into those three things. Right. We do get the classic, oh, you redecorated. I don't, I don't like it. 
I like how he referred to the round thing. I need I more of them. Where did I put them? Where did I put them? I love that. They <laughs> <laughs> put them back in the 80s, I think. <laughs> That's the last time we might have seen them. The half-faced man wakes up in a garden where a woman in Victorian clothing introduces herself as Missy and hopes her boyfriend wasn't too mean to him. She tells him that he's made it to paradise. Yeah, right. First time I watched this episode, I didn't appreciate or get a lot of it. This this last scene, I loved. And I remember loving it. And I remember being like, ooh, like, it feels like Bad Wolf to me. And I just, I like this as the season mystery. So. Until it gets solved. <laughs> One thing with uh, Clara and the doctor at the end of their little scene was to me a parallel of Rose and Nine when they first came back. It's like, well, now what do you do? And it's like, Rose is, let's go get chips. And so the doctor's mm -hmm. here like, well, coffee or chips, we can do chips because that's what Rose wanted. But it shows, no, I'm Clara, we're gonna do some coffee. <laughs> it's just, I liked that. I think that was really sweet. They mention again that the doctor has no money. They make a reference to that. Right. And she right, says, right. But you're very fetching, which I looked it up in British terms is like, you're attractive. You're yeah. handsome. Yeah. Uh, so to me, that ties it with uh, Clara, or it, it ends it with Clara's acceptance of the doctor, because before she was like, this guy's gray, I don't like him. He's got too many lines. He's not young. And so by the time she's like, oh, you're, you're, you're a good looking guy. And so I like that, that that's her character arc in one of the character arcs for her in this episode. Because it's something that she would say to Eleven. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Good looking, yeah. you can find a way. So for the cast, we have the Pod and Esther gang returning. Uh, Neve McIntosh plays Madame Vastra. Catherine Stewart plays Jenny. Dan Starkey plays Strax. The half-faced man is played by Peter Ferdinando. He was in the live-action Ghost in the Shell movie as Cutter. He was Earl of America in King Arthur Legend of the Sword. That's the Guy Ritchie one with um, Charlie Hunnam and he's done a lot in the UK. Ellis George plays Courtney Woods, and that is the schoolgirl in her flashback that says, get on with it. We will see her again in this season. Uh, the rest of these are working actors, so they might not have a lot of credits, but uh, Paul Hickey playing Inspector Gregson. We will see him again in a short. Tony Way plays Alfie, the guy that gets his eyes taken. He was Silas in Jekyll and Hyde, Dantos Hollard in Game of Thrones. He was made a fool by Joffrey at his birthday party for being drunk. Oh. Was, yeah. He was a Kimmel in Edge of Tomorrow. He's one of the people in uh, Tom Cruise's bunk. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I think he's the prison warden in uh, Sherlock, the episode Reinbach Falls. Then we have Maggie Service playing Elsie, Mark Kempner playing the cabbie, Graham Duff playing the waiter. Peter Hanna playing one of the policemen. Paul Casey is uh, one of the footmen. Brian Miller plays Barney. He has the connection to classic Who, and as Brian mentioned, is married to was married to Elizabeth Sladen. But she she was still alive at that point, right? No, she had passed. No, she passed. She had passed by the time this aired. Yeah. Yeah. When did she die? She passed 2011. away. 2011. Yeah, 11. Oh, I don't know. It was that long ago. Oh my God, Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane was young. Oh no, never mind. Never mind. So Barney Brian Miller was one of the 
Dalek voices in Classic Who with uh, Remembrance of the Daleks and Resurrection of the Daleks. And he also played Dugdale in Snake Dance with the Fifth Doctor. And he is Mr. Buttle in Brazil. That's uh, Terry Gilliam's Brazil. And then we get Michelle Gomez playing Missy. Recently, she was Miranda Croft in The Flight Attendant and Madame Rouge in Doom Patrol. The first thing I remember her in was Green Wing. It's about a like hospital and she plays Sue White. She's one of like the administrators. She is married to Jack Davenport. Yes, that is correct. And uh, we get Matt Smith as the doctor. Oh, and uh, Josh, your earlier question of uh, this director, Ben Wheatley, he only directed this one, Deep Breath, and the next one, Into the Dalek. Oh, yeah, I just, you know, they try something new, a new vibe with each doctor. That's fine, but I think it was too much change right up front. And, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in this episode. I will say this is one of the most creepy and uh, villains of all time, and this effects on him i i was mesmerized like trying to figure out how they did some of the shots mm-hmm. they're good and, there's and, there's and, behind the scenes and they used a uh, practical and uh, a and real person CG. with the yeah it was great the way that the practical looked amazing yeah like you see right i mean i could tell when it was practical but it didn't look bad i could just tell mm-hmm. um and then like the cg stuff too i'm like ah <laughs> but they're making this look so good yeah and um and the look of it like really really great stuff just not right for comedy yeah all right so deep breath who is this episode good for or more specifically this episode is good for who a new viewer a casual viewer a fan of the show or a diehard what's odd is the two that i'm kind of debating between is new and fan not a casual (laughs) um really i'm trying to think if you have not seen doctor who before and being shown this episode it covers a lot of ground telling you who the doctor is all about regeneration how things change it gives you some of the humor but there's a lot you wouldn't have anything to compare it to so you might get the humor and the seriousness together so i'm thinking that could be because it is feeling very much like a start of a new type of doctor so uh, that's why i'm thinking it could be good for new but casual i think you'd be too confused if you only knew Matt, a couple episodes, and Tennant a couple episodes, etc. That this would be like, okay, this is really different. I don't get it. I, you know enough to get lost, <laughs> you know, like we did when we first saw it. So that's what I'm thinking of fan because you'll go back and watch it, and you definitely get a lot more watching it more than once. I'm gonna stay, go with a fan. Um, I was also, uh, when I was watching this, I was like, could this be good for a new viewer? Um, but I think you would just, as a new viewer, you'd spend too much time being like, what's going on? Wait, who's that guy? Who's on the phone? Wait, that's the same doctor? Wait, what? I, you know, there, there's, I feel like a regeneration episode in a way would not be good for a new viewer. Cause it's like one of those things that I think you, is cool to learn after you already know who the doctor is. Um, so when that phone call happened, that's when I was like, no, this is, this is, um, I'm going to agree with Frank again. This is good for a fan. So I'm going to, I'm going to categorize it in fan. Um, well, I am going to say casual fan. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think that if you're a casual fan jumping in on a regeneration, I mean, you know, I think you would, I think one of the things you would know as a casual fan is that the doctor regenerates. So if you jumped in, as a casual fan into a regeneration episode, you can look at it as, do I like this doctor and do I want to continue to watch this doctor? Whereas I think 
a new viewer would be completely confused and overwhelmed. So yeah, I'm gonna say casual. Bam, yeah. I, I, I was gonna say fan, and then I thought, well, no, this is all new. The only thing that we don't like about it is because it, it's not like what we're used to. And if you don't have a base of what you're used to, then that's fine. Exactly. But there's they're referring to too many things that would just be confusing. And I don't think you get enough of the cool part of the doctor. I, I think you need to be a fan to appreciate everything that we were kind of gushing about this episode. Because when I originally watched it and didn't like it, I was a casual fan. But now, I, you know, I think I'm more of a fan and I really like it because of what I'm seeing in it. And a new viewer would like a lot about it because they have no precedence. I say it's okay for a new viewer, but good for a fan. <laughs> I'd be interested to hear somebody's opinion that, that did start with Peter Capaldi um, because, you know, I, I don't have the ability to watch it with those sets of eyes. Ha <laughs> um, <laughs> Because I would definitely say, uh, for me, this is a fan because I did not like it. I recall when I first watched it and that was probably due to mourning the loss of um, Matt Smith as our doctor. But even on this watch, like it took two times for me to watch before I started enjoying it. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to put in the fan category. I've only watched this episode once prior to preparing for this episode. Uh, this episode's recording, I mean. Uh, I mentioned like the holding your breath is game is for kids. It seems kind of weak when you think about how the logic falls apart, as we mentioned. Like to me, I would think that these androids are a little bit more advanced, and that they would be able to tell that there is a potential <laughs> for uh, harvesting parts by not only the expelling of carbon dioxide, but like pheromones or body heat. There's just so many things. I was like, there could be other things, let alone breathe, walk, hold your breath, and you'll, you're invisible to them. Uh, the end for me with Clara, uh, no, no, sorry, not the end end, but the uh, the part where she's trusting the doctor, I remember not really liking that. It felt very deus ex, deus ex machina, but I feel like they did it backwards now that I've been able to analyze it, where they should have brought that stuff up a little earlier in the episode. So by the time you get into the, in the later parts of the episode, you're more dealing with the logic. I felt that they kind of bounced around in a different order than we should for an introductory episode to who this new doctor is and this is something i came up with during uh this week is that i would like to make this canon or in my head canon is that this is the first time that this that the doctor has met the pot and Aster gang because i don't like how they're just sort of sort of introduced with 11 and his time with mourning amy and rory if this is the first time he's introduced to them, they would know who the doctor is and be able to help him during that time, even though he would be meeting them out of order. Anyway, that's just my weird roundabout way of saying I like it if this is the first time that he meets these people. <laughs> um, and for me, I think this is going to go into a fan now that I'm talking about the, the good and bad stuff that I like. It's because this there's a lot of callbacks, like we mentioned, like Moffat is referencing Fires of Pompeii and Girl in the Fireplace, like maybe one episode, but you're doing two episodes. So that immediately puts into a fan for me. Those are like two different seasons. So you're going to have to watch more than just the prior season. You're going to have to watch years of stuff. Uh, so yeah, 
that wraps up deep breath thanks for listening stay safe and we'll see you next time when the future becomes the present you've just listened to an episode of who knew our wonderful theme music is by michael grady find him on facebook at the universe explodes additional music is by damio Paggio. All our episodes are engineered by Auburn. You can find him at auburnbakley.com. You can find the show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. Visit our Facebook page. Please leave comments, reviews, and click like to support Who Knew Podcast. To listen to our show on your Amazon Echo device, subscribe to us on Amazon Music, and then ask your Amazon device to play your podcast subscriptions. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who. The longest running sci-fi show in history. And especially the revival spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer. And all of those involved in the adventures of our favorite time lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. My name is Catherine Stewart and I am part of the Paternoster Gang. I'm playing Miss Jenny Flint in Doctor Who. I hear you are a big, big fan of Doctor Who and you even have your own podcast um, called Who Knew? Who Knew? It's a good name.